Today, uh, we, we, this summer, we're talking about afterlife. What happens when I die? We looked at all the different theories. I'm just gone. I'm in the ground. I, I'm here. I'm there. Uh, but we know what the Word of God says. There is a heaven. There is a hell. And so we want to give today an eyewitness account of uh, the, these eternal realities. Because it definitely is uh, reality. And so uh, last week we uncovered death. And uh, we know that we, it's appointed unto man once to die. And uh, we, we know that after death, the Bible says be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. For those who are born again, there's no fear. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But in Luke chapter 16, turn in your Bibles to the book of St. Luke, chapter number 16. And I want to give you an eyewitness account. Now listen, uh, in the 38 parables... That Jesus told so many times. He would identify people. He would say there was a person. He would many times say this is a parable. uh, A a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Uh, But there were times. And this is one of those times. Jesus used a specific name. This, most people have read it as a parable. It's not a parable. This is a true account. Historians tell us this man's name, the rich man, was named Dives. Now, I don't know where they come up with that. That's not in the Bible. That's history and uh, whatever. But uh, we don't know his name. We do know the other man's name. Jesus was very specific about it. And uh, we're going to look at this. I mean, you've heard of... Does anybody watch reality TV? You like to watch some of the reality shows? You know, the people that are lost. People get marooned. And, you know, maybe you girls watch The Bachelor and all that. Nah, I ain't watching all that. You get time for that. Uh, listen, Jesus will give you a rose. You don't need some stranger giving you one. Anyway, uh, there's a lot of reality TV. But you know what? With reality TV, did you know most of it is not real reality? Still, most of it's made up. They just tell them to have all that conflict. It's good for ratings. And so, but I'm telling you, this is, this is Bible reality right here. This is reality Bible. This is not just a story. It's not just a parable. It's a true account, eyewitness from the place. Let's see what he has to say. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19. Uh, once again, I'm reading out the New Living Translation. So maybe a little different if you're reading out of King James. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived every day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Everybody go, ooh. That, that just doesn't sound good, does it? Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. He went to the place of the dead. There in torment, He saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. 
The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. So I I want us to to take and look at this story and kind of look at some lessons from this story and pull some things out. And and let's just get some things uh, that we can uh, hopefully will help us. If you're filling in those blanks, number one, it matters more who says hello than who says goodbye. Can you just think for a moment and imagine this rich man's funeral? Can you imagine all the dignitaries that showed up, all the pomp and circumstance, everything everyone said about him? Oh, he was such a good man. He was so successful. He was so wealthy. And they all came to say goodbye. But no matter what they said about him, he was in hell. You see, no matter what anybody says at your funeral, you are where you are. I'm sure that rich man had a lot of friends, a lot of people to say nice flowery things about him. Maybe the mayor came, maybe everyone in the city came, but it did not change his destiny. But Lazarus, there's no mention of his funeral. The poor Many times were just taken out and thrown in the trash dump. Thrown in the dump where they burned all the trash. And they had no family. He had no friends. He was homeless. He laid there at the gate every day hoping just for a few scraps. And the dogs would lick his sores. He had no elaborate funeral. No one to come say goodbye. But the Bible declares at the last moment that he took his breath. The angels in heaven escorted him into the presence of Abraham's bosom. Come on, listen. Luke chapter 16 and verse 22 says, Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. And the rich man also died and was buried. You see, the dead are not alone. There's no, there, as a child of God, as a believer, you do not have to fear death because at that moment when you take that last breath, the presence of God, the angels of God are encamped around about them. The Bible says that fear Him and they are ready to take your soul and spirit to be with the Lord. Now, it didn't say, the Bible just says that Lazarus, uh, I'm sorry, the rich man just looked up out of torment. It doesn't say whether demons showed up to escort him into hell or what happened. He was just there. We don't, it doesn't say. His last breath found him in a different location. That second lesson here is heaven and hell 
are actual destinations. Everybody say heaven is real. Hell is real. And just because you can't see it, doesn't mean it's not real. My, my daughter, uh, she got married. Most of you know she moved uh, to a town called Fate. F-A-T-E. It's outside of Rockwall. And uh, she lives in this little town called Fate. And uh, every now and then we get opportunities uh, to go see her. Listen, when I leave Tyler and I go to Fate, I'm going to a real place. Nobody comes to my house and cries and says, He's not here anymore. He's gone. Nobody thinks that I've gone to some mystical place. Nobody, nobody thinks that they, they know it's a real place and I'm just as real in fate as I am in Tyler. You're just as real in heaven or hell as you are here. It's a real place. And uh, we don't have time to get, it, get into all of this theology, uh, but just let me throw this out there for you real quickly so you don't get confused. In this story, when we say paradise, from creation to the cross, no one was in heaven. God was in heaven. The angels were in heaven. Uh, Jesus was in heaven until He came to earth. But the believers went to a place called paradise. It was basically a holding place. It, it was not hell for believers. They didn't go to hell. But they were what the Bible calls Abraham's bosom. Uh, it, it was paradise. It was perfect. It was beautiful. Uh, it was peaceful. Uh, and apparently it's adjacent to, to hell. It can be seen uh, from there. After the cross. Because when Jesus died, he went to hell. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave from Satan. And all the people in paradise, the Bible says, he brought the captivity captive. He brought them up with him. Now, there, there's accounts. Uh, Brother David just brought me uh, an article. I was reading that. It's so good. I mean, they have eyewitness accounts and historians and everything. Thousands and thousands of people uh, seen by their loved ones. Those 40 days between the time Jesus was resurrected and the time he went back to heaven, all those people that were resurrected, they came with him. There was folks knocking on doors to their loved ones, freaking people out. And then when Jesus went on to heaven, he t all those went with him. And now they are all in heaven. And those who die now... Don't go to paradise anymore. They, we go to heaven. In this story, we don't have time to get into all the theology of that. that. That's just in a nutshell. In this story, before the cross, all believers are still in paradise with Abraham. Lazarus dies. The rich man dies. The rich man is in hell. Lazarus uh, is an equivalent of heaven, but in paradise in Abraham's bosom. And... We see some very, what's the word, specifics. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe in hell. There, there's a story, uh, 
whether it's true or not, I'm not sure. But uh, there, there's a story I read uh, about an army chaplain. Uh, he was the chaplain for a, a group of men. And these men came to him and they said, chaplain, we need to ask you a question. He said, okay. They said, do you believe in hell? A literal hell. And uh, he kind of paused for a moment and he said, uh, no, I, I, I don't believe there's a literal hell. And so they all got together and talked for a few minutes. And they said, well, chaplain, we would like for, to ask you to please resign as our chaplain. He said, but, but, but why? He, they said, because two reasons. Number one, if there is no hell, we don't need you. And number two, if there is a hell, we don't want you leading us astray. Listen to me. Just because you don't believe doesn't change the reality. Amen? Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 41, the Bible says, Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared... I want you everybody to look at this. Prepared for the devil and his demons. You see, when Lucifer waged war in heaven and threw a rebellion, and a third of the angels went with him, that's when hell was created. It was created for Satan and those rebellious angels. It was never created for us. How in the world do people get there then? How would a loving God send somebody to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell. You see, the ultimate expression of God's love is seen by His willingness, willingness to give us the freedom to choose. Everybody say, I have a free will. It's the greatness of God's love, not the lack of it, that allows mankind to experience hell. Because He gives you the freedom to choose. I don't know if many of you saw it a while back. Uh, a family, uh, they had a bunch of kids. And they were actually holding their children hostage. They were keeping them chained and in cages and tied up. And one of the older ones escaped and came. And, and you know, guess what? Uh, where do you think those parents are today? But they probably said, but we're good parents. We love our children. We we feed them and we, we do... listen. Love is not love when you have to chain somebody up and make them choose you. Love is when a person stays to love you on their own free will. Love is when you chose to come to church today. Nobody, I didn't make you. Now your wife might have, but I didn't. (laughs) Your parent might have. But hopefully one day, you'll choose that on your own. You see, God didn't want us to love Him because we had to. He wanted us to do it because He wanted to. He didn't want robots. He wanted relationship. And free will is one of God's greatest gifts. And it can also be our worst curse. 
Because how many knows we don't always choose wisely, do we? We can definitely make better choices. You see, Adam and Eve, he created them, he loved them, he put them in a perfect place. And then he said, eat of the tree of life, eat all you want. But the day you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. But see, they didn't know what death was. They'd never seen nothing die. Nothing in the garden ever died. No flower died, no animal died. They'd never seen death. And so they said, well, how, could, how bad could it be? So, so, so many people today say, well, I don't know nothing about hell. Never seen hell, never experienced hell. How bad could it be? I, I see people, I've seen out people in these protests. And I've seen people, I saw one the other day, a lady. I've had 14 abortions, so proud of it. Another one said, "We're a big sign, we're on our way to hell and proud of it. Listen, you know why? Because they haven't been there. It's easy to say it's no big deal when you haven't experienced it. But a moment there, you'll be regretting your decision. The moment they ate of that tree and they knew their nakedness and they began to die from that moment. They didn't drop dead. They just began to die. Their eyes were open. They realized their nakedness. Everything changed. But God gave them the choice. They just made a bad choice. Number three, eternity validates true wealth. You see, wealth and riches in this life are nothing. They don't mean anything. Everybody in this room is wealthier than most people in other countries. They say if you pay your bills, had food to eat today, you're in the top percentile of the world. We're already rich. But you see, the poorest man on earth. We've been to a lot of countries. We've seen a lot of poor people. But the poorest person on earth will still be richer as a believer than the richest person in hell. You see, hadn't you rather be rich in heaven for eternity? Than here for just a little while. And see Jesus teaches us. He said seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Thank God for blessings. Thank God for prosperity. Thank God. And and all of that is promised to the believer. But it's when we put him first. Amen. So it's. It's easy to get dissatisfied. All of us here are blessed, aren't we? I mean, we have nice cars, we have houses, we all... Whether it's the worst in town, it's still better because there's so many people that don't even have one. But you can have a nice car, a nice house, uh, and then I have a nice truck. It's old, it's got a lot of miles, but it's still okay. But when I stop at the Ford place and look around... I get dissatisfied with what I have. I want a new one. And then I look at the sticker price and I'm happy with mine again. I like, I, you know what? The worst thing you could ever do is go to the parade of homes. You're happy with your house. You like your decorations until you go there. And then you look around and you go, we need to upgrade. All of our stuff is old and dilapidated and out of date. And Listen, ain't nothing wrong with your shag carpet. 
Shampoo it and be happy about it. It's paid for. Listen, they've proven people that live in a little house, a big house, a $100,000 house, half a million dollar house, $2.2 million house, they all have about the same amount of cash flow left over. Because people that have more just spend more. But you know what? It would be good if we could learn as God blesses and God prospers. If we could learn to just be happy, possibly be content with whatever state you're in. And we'd have more money to do stuff with. But listen, as soon as we get a little money in our pocket, we got to upgrade, don't we? We all do it. We all do it. But, uh, but none of this stuff matters. It's going to all be gone. And what's going to matter is when we stand in eternity... He's not going to ask you what kind of car you drove or house you drove, lived in or none of that. All of that is going to cease to exist. Now we're in eternity forever. And true wealth is our soul. Amen? First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. Now, let's stop right there. It's not money that's evil. If you think money is evil, then I can help you. Just send it on to the Lord's house. We'll use that evil money for good. But money's not evil. It's just currency. Okay? It's the love of money. And that's where the Bible says that we're to love God more than anything. But there's people who they love things more than God. They love money. And because of that love, it'll cause them, it said it'll make them. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But guess what? When God prospers you, when you live right, you act right, you pay your tithe, and God bless you. He said, the Lord maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow. You can have a bank full of money and lay your head on your pillow at night and sleep like a baby. But there's many a rich man that can't sleep at night worried that somebody's going to take it away. Or because they got it illegally or wrongfully that they're going to get found out. And there's no peace in that. But there's peace in doing what's right and knowing uh, what that you've done. But Jesus taught in Matthew eight thirty five: if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. What benefit do you gain if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I'm going to tell you something. That rich man in hell would have given all of his riches to trade places with Lazarus. But he couldn't. He couldn't. You see. It's final. The choice is final. The choice you make here. Determines your destiny there. What's it going to look like? Let's look at it a little bit. Number four. Eternity will resemble life here. Have you ever wondered. What's people going to look like? How am I going to recognize them? Are they going to know me? 
Well, we, we have an, another little picture here. It says, uh, uh, ver- chapter 16, this is verse number 23. He went to the place of the dead there in torment. He saw Abraham in a far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham. How did he know Father Abraham? He didn't even live at the same time. This was hundreds of years before. I mean, he didn't Google it. He didn't Facebook stalk him. He didn't go, hey, I reckon I... Bible says we're going to be known as we're known. Apparently he knew him. He looked like who he was. And he recognized Lazarus. That's that guy that every time I left my house and came back was laying at my gate that I used to say, I wish he would go somewhere else because he's bringing my property value down. I wish I didn't have to see him in his poverty. I wish I didn't have to see him so hungry while I'm eating this big meal. I wish I didn't have to see him so thirsty while I'm drinking my cups filled. He recognized him. He knew who he was. You see, we'll possess a physical likeness as we were here. You, you understand... Uh, He said, could Lazarus dip his finger? Apparently he had a finger. (laughs) He said, my tongue. He had a tongue. So apparently it's some physical likeness. And uh, everybody wants to know what we're going to look like. Well, you know what? I hope it's the best version of myself. Amen. It's like we're going to go to heaven at the perfect age, the perfect age. Size, strength, it it, it may not even be what we were like here on earth. It might have been just how we were created to be. But guess what? It don't matter. However it is, it's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing. Amen? So, it's going to be good. Uh, You know, heavenly bodies, there's a lot of... Talk, let's just read a couple of scriptures right here. We've got to move on. Uh, right here, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 42. In the same way with the resurrection of the dead, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but we'll be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they'll be raised in glory. They're buried in weakness, but they're raised in strength. Verse 44. They're buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there's also spiritual bodies. Verse 51, but let us, let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, at the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, it's going to be a good day. Can I say amen? Amen. So, apparently, remember Jesus? Anybody remember Jesus? You ever heard about him? Okay. Good. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. And when they saw him, they recognized him. When he wanted them to. He looked like Jesus. And he said, look at the nails in my hands. So he had the same appearance, yet he was able just to appear and disappear. 
walk through closed doors. But, good news, he was able to eat. But he didn't gain no weight. Isn't that good? That's heaven right there. That's heaven right there. No more diets. Hallelujah. Glorified bodies. You know why? Because we'll be eating angel food. Angel food has no calories. Just like angel food cake here. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, Rick, he knew each other. He knew Abraham. I mean, he knew all that. Uh, we're going to have memories. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to not, I don't know how, exactly how it's all going to be. But listen, we're not going to be just zombies. We're not going to be robots. We're, we're going to know all these things. Yet, we're going to have the ability to continue to learn. Jesus is going to, I mean, we're going to know the answers. to. We may not know everything, but we're going to be taught through eternity. So it's going to be good. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 27 says, Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send to my father's home, for I have five brothers. I want him to warn them so they don't end up in the same place. Mm. You see, when he saw how good heaven was versus how bad hell was, he didn't want anybody else to go there. I'm going to tell you something. People in hell could be the best soul winners. They'd never be ashamed to testify. But see, he said, can he come over here? He said, I can't come over there and you can't come over here. It's done. There's an eternal remembrance and regret. Eternal sadness. Torment and pain. Look at number five. It says, Jesus is the ultimate thirst quencher. He said, could you just send Lazarus over here and dip his finger in some water and come touch my tongue? I'm reminded, I don't know if I was around or born, or maybe I was, I I don't know. I've told you many times, my my dad, my father, founder of this church, fasted 40 days and nights. People say, it's impossible to fast 40. Uh, My daddy did it. 40 days and nights, no food, most of the time, just water. But I heard the story, Brother J.C. Hibbert Jr. has passed on to be with the Lord now, told me the story. When I was preaching for him one time, mom and daddy were with him. Uh, he would preach and daddy would lead singing and they would take turns and he was staying there with him. And while one of the times he was there, he was fasting on one of those 40 day fast. And he told me, he said, I saw your father stay up in that upstairs room, pray and fasting day and day and out. And he would only come down one time a day and he would stick his finger in a glass of water. And just take the water off. I, I cannot even imagine. Most of the time I saw him drink a lot of water and things. But uh, that particular time, that, that was the story I told. But you know what? When you're so thirsty, just some water on the finger would be good. When you're in hell and the flames are tormenting you, he said just a dip of his finger would be satisfying. But he said, it's impossible. But Jesus, mm, listen, I, I don't think it was just 
a natural thirst. I think it was a, a spiritual thirst too. Because there is put inside of every human being, man, woman, boy and girl, a desire for God, a desire for the Creator, a desire to be loved, a desire, amen, to know our destiny. God put that there and He wants and He is the only one that can satisfy that thirst. But He told that lady at the well, if you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you water and you'd never thirst again. For those of us in heaven, for those of us, for Lazarus, he was no longer laying at the gate of this rich man. He was hungry and thirsty every day. But in heaven, you'll never be thirsty. Not only naturally, but physically from any desire that you have, you're satisfied. Did you know that's what gets most people in trouble in this world? Is their cravings. They want to satisfy them. We've got to learn as believers to satisfy those good cravings. But the ones that are bad, we've got to learn to deny ourselves. We've got to learn to say no. That's hard. And in this generation, nobody wants to say no. Nobody wants to tell their children no. Nobody. And, and that's why we've got a, such an entitled generation that thinks everything just, you're supposed to just give it to them because they've not been told no. They haven't been made to work. They haven't been made, amen, to earn things. They just want to be given. But I'm telling you, amen, we've got to learn to say no to our flesh and we've got to say yes to Jesus so that we can be satisfied for eternity. Instead of thirsty and unsatisfied for eternity. Amen? Amen. Only Jesus can satisfy. Jesus said in John 7, 37, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, Rivers of living water shall flow from within them. That's what we, Pastor Elias was talking about earlier. Those rivers of life. Amen. When you got that river flowing up out of you, it satisfies you. It quenches your thirst. By this, he meant the Spirit. We'll skip on down. Look at number six. The decisions we make on this side of heaven are irrevocable. Luke chapter 16, verse number 25. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted. Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you're in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm between us. No one can cross over to you from here. No one can cross over to us from there. That, 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 that great chasm, that gulf, that, that, that separation between heaven and hell. Uh, your decisions are lasting. You don't get to say, I'm sorry. You don't get to say, I, I changed my mind. You don't get to say, I, I wish I'd have done better. Your decisions here. Before you die, determine your destiny after you die, and then that's for eternity. Forever and ever and ever. Your faith, your faith here determines your future. What are you believing? Number seven, the time to be a soul winner. Is now. Everybody say now. 
Now is the time to tell people about Jesus. The rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least if you can't come give me any water, I can't be, I can't be satisfied. I can't get out of this. At least go tell my brothers. I want to warn them not to end up in this place. But Moses said, or Father Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And the rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. You see that? What do you see there? Abraham said, no, we can't go. We can't go tell your brothers. They have the law. They've got the prophets there. They... And the rich man said, no, Father Abraham. Why do you think he said that? Because he's used to getting his way. He's rich. He has servants. What he says people do. When he says jump, they say how high. He's not used to not getting his way. He's not used to people not doing what he says and what he asks. No, Father Abraham. But if you'll send someone from the dead, they'll repent for their sins and turn to God. And Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. You say, yes, they will. Oh, really? Jesus rose from the dead and they still wouldn't believe. And people today still won't believe. Over 500 saw Jesus alive. Many saw their loved ones alive. Yet many that day wouldn't believe. And still today don't believe. So he said, no. We can't go back from the dead. We're not coming back from heaven. Now God has allowed a few people. We just heard Sister Diane's testimony. Dead for eight and a half minutes. And the Lord said, I want you to go back. Get as many people saved as you can. It's not your time to be here. But most of the time, once you go, you don't get to come back. And we, we said it earlier. It's, it's, it's who you've been. Listen, I bet that rich man would have wished I'd have said hello to Lazarus more often. I wish I'd have gave him some bread. I wish I'd have gave him some water. I wish I'd have let my physician go out there and tend to those sores. But it's too late. You see, what you do on a daily basis is determining where you're going to spend eternity. What you believe, what you receive, what, how you act. You see, every single person in hell doesn't want one more of their family members to come. If they truly love them, you, could, you wouldn't want your worst enemy To go to a place like that. You know. Hell. Is fighting hard. To get people. Hell. Is fighting hard. For your children. Hell. Is fighting hard. To addict people to drugs and alcohol and all the things that destroy the body and tear up family. Hell is fighting hard for your soul. But I'm here to tell you today that we have got to fight harder than hell. We. 
have got to determine that none of the people we love will go to hell. And we've got to fight for their souls. And we've got to be willing to tell them that there's a reality of heaven and hell. Listen, if I knew, if I knew that out here at the airport there was a baggage handler who had converted to Islam and who had become a terrorist and had snuck a bomb onto a plane. And I knew you were going to be on that flight. How much would I have to hate you not to tell you? Even if you were a total stranger I'd never seen before, I think I would warn you not to get on the plane. Now, if you got on it, it's up to you. But I think I would do everything I could if I knew that was a reality. Yet we know the reality of an eternal hell. And we walk right past people every day. And we never warn them. We never tell them, Jesus loves you. He does not want you to go to hell. He wants you to go to heaven. And He has done everything He can do. He gave His life for you. And if you choose Christ, you choose life. Paul said in Romans chapter 9 in verse number 2. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing forever cursed Cut off from Christ if that would save them. What's he saying? He's saying, I'd be willing to go to hell if they could all be saved and go to heaven. Are you bold enough to pray a prayer that says, God, I'm willing to go to hell if everybody else can go to heaven? But most of the time, we're so selfish. We say, I'm saved. My sins are forgiven. I know Jesus. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not afraid of hell. But I don't care if anybody else goes there. They can all go to hell for all I care. You say, well, I would never say that. But if we don't warn them, if we don't tell them, that's what we're saying by our actions. We've got to begin to change our heart and our mind. We've got to have compassion. And we've got to love people enough to tell them the truth. They don't like it. They'll be angry with you. But they will not be able to stand before God and say, I never knew. Because I promise you, when they're standing before God, they'll hear your words screaming in their ear. And they'll have to say, I knew. But I just chose to go anyway. You see, we've got to go to the harvest field. We've got to become missionaries to our own families. We've got to begin to go out at Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. And they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord will send forth laborers, workers into the field. Today, 
I'm asking God to send you. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you're on your way to heaven, praise the Lord. But let's don't go by ourselves. Let's take as many people with us as we can. Every, every week on the back of your handout. I don't know if you've been reading it. I haven't really, I haven't mentioned it. But let's talk about it today. Turn it to the very last page. What's it say? Reaching our city one life at a time. I put the wrong date on there. On this one. Pursue one believer and become the best friend they ever had. Oh, one unbeliever. Listen, you know what a lot of people, this is funny. It's not funny, it's sad. Did you know there's a lot of people who say, well, I don't have any friends that are sinners. I only hang around with saved people. That's sad. How are you going to win anybody to Christ if you don't ever get around them? You just hang out in church. You need to get out there. Now, listen, you don't have to go to the clubs in the night. You don't have to go get into the world to meet a sinner. They're at Walmart. And they're in church. <laughs> person you're sitting beside might be one. I don't know. But you know, you, you need to become friends with unbelievers. So that you can win them to Christ. Amen? Reach one person every day with a random act of kindness. Anybody doing that? Find one, at least one. I think we ought to be nice to everybody. But at least find one person and do something nice for them. Minister to one person every week that you attend church. You know, God, what, what are you doing to be a blessing? Bring one new person to church every month. Wow. What if we did that? By the end of the year, this church would be packed to capacity. But you know what? Most Christians, most believers have never brought an unbeliever to church in their whole life. We need to do better. Lead one person to Christ every year and disciple. That, that's been on the back of our thing. I haven't talked about it every week, but uh, I encourage you to read that every week. And let's put that into practice because hell is a reality and we do not want anybody to go there. Amen. But heaven is real. Heaven is our destiny. As a believer in Christ, you do not have to fear death because the moment you close your eyes, the angels are there to usher you into the presence of the Lord, to your reward, to your glory, to your mansion. It is going to be amazing. So I don't even fear death. I don't fear hell. But I know there's a lot of people that are on their way, so I, I need to get concerned and loving. But as for me, I'm just excited to go to heaven. Amen? Anybody ready to go to heaven? Anybody want to go on the bus today? Okay. All, <laughs> a few folks ready to go today. Amen. Well, next week, we're going to try to answer some challenging questions. I, I don't. I don't act like I know everything. I don't. There's some things I just don't know. Uh, there's some things I'm going to have to say I don't know. But what about kids? What about babies? What about miscarriages? What about abortions? What about suicide? What, what about all these things? What, what happens to these people? What, we're going to try to answer some hard questions according to what the Bible says. And look at what we know. So uh, we'll close up our summer series next week. 
heaven's a reality. Hell's a reality. I'm not going to hell. I choose heaven. I'm going to try to take as many people there as I can. And uh, I'm going to live right here on earth knowing that I'm already the richest person because I have Jesus. Amen. I might eat Roman Raymond noodles every day here, but I'm going to feast in heaven for eternity. So don't get caught up on everything happening here. Uh, this is not going to last forever. And if you've been watching the news, it may not last much longer. But guess what? We're going to be prepared. Amen. I mean, are you stocking your pantry? Listen, what if we have a storm? We have, we have tornadoes, we have storms, we have all that kind of stuff. We are, you ought to have enough food for a few weeks stocked up just for natural stuff. Much less craziness that's going on. So you know what? Get you some extra groceries. Be, 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 be. Listen, we're not doomsday. We don't, we're not prepping for the apocalypse. But I think we are to be a little bit wise and have enough toilet paper the next time Sam's is out. Amen. So you know what? Let's be wise. Let's prepare naturally. Let's prepare spiritually for the things that are coming up on this world. For the Bible says it's going to get hard. It's going to be dark times. But we are the light of the world. I'm going to shine for Jesus. So don't be, don't be putting a barrel over your head. Uh, let's take the barrel off and let's shine for Jesus in this dark world. Amen? And uh, next week we're going to talk about some challenges. And uh, we'll try to answer a few more questions. We'll close out this series. And uh, this has been a... I don't know about you, but... Uh, I haven't been getting a whole lot of amens preaching on death and hell. and It's not been as exciting as... It's been kind of hard, but you know what? It's a reality, isn't it? We like we all love talking about victory and blessings and new cars coming. Hallelujah. But nobody wants to talk about death. But I'm telling you, I don't know if you're going to get a new car or a new house or not, but I can promise you, you're going to die. I just want you to know where you're going when you do. Amen. So if we come out of this series, everybody saved and on their way to heaven and trying to take everybody around them there, I've done my job. Amen.